0: Well, we have quickly come to the end of the church year, that time when thoughts turn to the end of all things and the destruction of the world as we know it. Well, maybe we should wait a minute. You probably weren't thinking of those things, to be honest, were you? You're probably thinking about Thanksgiving plans or getting an early jump on Christmas shopping or getting things in order before the busy December days hit and it more felt like the end of the world might be coming, especially when you pay the bills. But is it the end of the world as we know it? That seems so year 2000 and Y2K. Do you remember that all 22 years ago and how it pretty well fizzled out? It came and went and we survived, right? Yet there is a coming day, burning like a blazing fiery furnace, a day of fire and wrath. Scripture tells us a day when the arrogant and evildoers will be reduced to stubble. We get unpleasant reminders, maybe when the ashes fall on our cars from the fires that burn periodically up in the hills above us, or or maybe when the news talks about something burning in Northern California, and it really seems foreshadowed when there's massive destruction like you may remember at Paradise, California, that town that was just simply wiped off the map. It will be a day, scripture says, when the heavens will be shaken, the seas will roar, the sun, moon, and stars will fail, the nations will be in upheaval, and people will faint with fear and dread over what's coming. Sounds almost like some people's reaction to political elections. Typhoons, tornadoes, hurricanes, earthquakes, tsunamis, wildfires, these are nothing compared with what's coming at the end. We simply cannot imagine it. It's really too much to comprehend. The destruction by fires in our state is more than enough, and face it, we're only a tiny portion of the Earth, and the world does not really revolve around Los Angeles and its media. Global destruction, cosmic destruction, is really way beyond our grasp, in spite of the news blurbs that talk about asteroids heading our ways only to miss us by several million miles. That doesn't mean though that it won't happen. The people in Jesus's day thought Jerusalem was bulletproof. It was God's city, the place of the temple, God's footstool, the place from which he ruled over the earth. How could he let his city and temple be destroyed? And yet Jesus predicted it within his own generation. He even warned his disciples what to do when they saw invading armies surround the city. He predicted that Jerusalem would be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles. and The Jewish war of 66 to 70 AD was precisely the fulfillment of that prophecy by Jesus. And it spared the church. They knew to flee to the mountains when the Roman armies surrounded the city to flee instead of fight because of Jesus' prophecy. Jesus was preparing his disciples for the hard times ahead and for things that no one would have conceived as even possible. When Jesus spoke these words, the temple in Jerusalem had been rebuilt by King Herod. It was a massive public works program at huge costs. Enormous stones had to be quarried and moved. I remember when I was in Jerusalem being told one of the big stones weighed more than a half a million pounds and they shot it on rollers from the quarry several miles away into the city into position. All sorts of craftsmen and artists were employed to make the temple into something grand and glorious and it was the largest religious complex in the Empire. For Jesus to say not one stone will be left on another would be like someone saying in 40 years the United States won't exist as a nation or that Los Angeles will be wiped from the map with hardly a trace. It's simply inconceivable. If all this talk of the end leaves you a bit nervous and apprehensive, it should. As Luther pointed out, the times of the end will be as terrifying for Christians as for unbelievers. Even more so, Jesus warned his disciples that they would be persecuted, arrested, hauled before religious and civil tribunals, and that that they would be imprisoned and brought to testify before kings and governors. And he assured them that they did not have to worry about what they would say. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. Notice that Jesus doesn't spare them from persecution and testing. But he promises to see them through it. To supply them with words and wisdom for witness. There's no notion in the scriptures of believers being spared the tribulation of the end. There's no concept whatsoever of a rapture in which all true believers are whisked off before the distress of the end comes and everybody else is left behind. Christians do not get a free pass and an exemption. Jesus tells his disciples that they will be betrayed by friends and family even. They will be hated by everybody for his namesake. We worry about how Christianity seems to be targeted in the public square these days. Why should we worry or even be surprised? Jesus himself said it would be this way. I would worry if Christianity became popular, the religious flavor of the year. In fact, in the history of the church, it's precisely when Christianity is popular and the fashion of the moment that the church goes wrong somehow. The Christian faith has, remember, a cross at its center. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Suffering, hardship, and loss go hand and nail pierced hand with the cross of Jesus. We are baptized under the sign of the cross. We are forgiven under the sign of the cross. We are fed the body and blood of Christ under the sign of the cross. We arise and go to sleep and do everything in between under the sign of the cross if we're careful to say our prayers christianity isn't so much a way of life as it is a way of death it is to die with jesus in order to be raised with him it is to live as dead to sin and self but alive to god in christ jesus our lord jesus warned his followers some of you they will be put to death It still happens today especially in the near east people martyred for being christian and yet notice the very next sentence but not a hair of your head will perish by your endurance you will gain your lives death isn't the worst thing that can happen to you though you die even die a martyr's death By the endurance of faith you will gain your lives, the Lord says. All of these things are necessary because the end is also the beginning. For those who fear the name of the Lord, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, Malachi the prophet said. The destruction of the old brings the revelation of the new. The destruction at the end is a destruction of things temporal so that things eternal might be revealed. It's even like this with each of us. The saint is hidden inside the sinner. The sinner must die in order for the saint to be revealed. God doesn't kill for no good reason. He kills in order to make alive. He brings down in order to raise up. Whether it's the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, the end of the world on the last day, or the day you breathe your last breath, whether that is, whenever that is, that's the work of God, using death to destroy death, tearing down the unholy to reveal the pure and the holy of eternal life that is already ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Apostle Paul considered himself dead already, even while he was alive. And writing to the Galatians, I no longer live, but Christ who is in me lives. So when you see signs of the end, when you experience the groanings of the old creation in labor pains, When it seems as though the whole world is going from worse to worse and the church appears weak and persecuted, then Jesus says, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. In other words, don't get all depressed and bent out of shape when the world seems to be going you nowhere in a handbasket. Trust God. Don't act like God has forgotten to do something or that he's distracted somehow by dealing with too many earthquakes, fires, child abductions, or the latest episode of human anguish causing grief on the evening news, if not the sitcoms. Since I'm often distracted from thinking about God, it's easy to think God's distracted from remembering me. Not true god is in his heaven and if all is not yet right with the world it will be when its maker and redeemer shows up to put things to rights at the end god is in his heaven but he's not just staying there when the author appears on stage you know that the play is over watch for the sun of righteousness to rise as the world goes dark He comes with feeling in his wings. Your redemption is here. Your Jesus is here. And the sight will be glorious. Amen. And may the peace of God which passes understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.